ברוכים הבאים בשם השם ברכנוכם, מבייס השם. Welcome to our weekly Wednesday shir. Chov Zayin, Tamuz, Zoch, Pure. A day in the three weeks. This Shabbos, as we said last Shabbos, this Shabbos is a Shredish Menachemov. Rendering Tishabov the following Sunday. Shredish Menachemov is mentioned in the Torah. In this week's Pasha, it talks about the passing of Aaron Akayin. And it says, When did Aaron Akayin die? The fifth month, the month of Menachemov, Echadachedish, Menachemov is the yard site of Aaron Akayin. Shir is the Nishmas, Gabriel the Melech, Allah Shalom, Benibad al Chaim Tev, Maruch Vashalom, Yamin Yayetz, Shikhe, and Matana Bas Musli, Bas Gabriel Yaakov. So this Shabbos, Shredish Rachmov, is, as the Torah tells us, the yard site of Aharon HaKoyen. Now, it's mentioned before, when Aharon HaKoyen actually passes away, the Torah tells us that Aharon HaKoyen passed away, went up to the mountain, he came to Her Hahor, and he went up to the mountain, and the Kharish Baruch Hu said, he should take Eliezer, and he should take Aaron. In the mountain, changed his clothes, they just stood there, said he also wants to die the same way, Rechman al-Tzlan. A death, a kiss of death from the Ebishter. Not Rechman al-Tzlan, about that, about dying, period. However, when it's mentioned in Pashat Chukas, it fails, it omits one little fact the date. And here, in our Pasha, when it reiterates the passing of Arnakayin, it now mentions the date of the Chedesh HaChamishi, Echad LaChedesh. Yishchedesh Menachem Ov. Manishtana. Why is the Torah changed its format? And the side here to suddenly mention the death, the date of the passing, the yard site, as it's known. And the answer is a simple one. This Pasha, Pasha's Masai, is always read in the three weeks. Often time, it's either
either on Shkidishov or close to the Shkidishov. And therefore, that gives this Pasha a connection, a direct connection to the passing of Aranakain, and therefore the Torah mentions it in this Pasha that it's this week. If you're looking at the calendar today, <coughs> this Shabbos, and you're going to be leaning, and you say, Oh, that's today. Aranakain is outside. And of course, the first reaction of every Jew is to grab a bottle of mashka and a cup of cake and to say, Oh, the Chaim, the Shabbos of Aliyah. And what else? What else do you do when you hear about in the Shema? Um, it's not a recommendation. It's not a uh, minig. It's not a din. It's not a psak. I am simply mentioning it as a passing joke, actually. If you happen to Say the Chaim for the Nisham of Arnakayim. It's not the end of the world. And the question is on what you're going to say to the Chaim, and the question is what would make your world end. Some people can drink hard liquor, and some people cannot. Some people force themselves, and some people should not. Fact is, not recommended to anything, anyone. On the other hand, a small lechayim, a little kelishel with some shlivavitz, plum brandy, is not the end of the world. Problem is when you keep refilling it. My father, Shalom, would not drink out of the small schnapps, shot glasses. He says that um, glass has to be blown up. They take it, they melt it, and they blow it, and they make it into a vessel. And the artists form it. I think I've said this many times, Jenny. And he, uh, he says that the guy who blew this shot glass only must have tuberculosis because he couldn't blow it any bigger. So he's not drinking from it. I don't know, you outside. Does that really have that much to do with us? Is it really something so relevant, so important? And of course we all know the answer is yes. We all know and all remember that we spoke about it in the Parsha when it said Kukas about Aaron's passing. And we said the entire nation mourned. Why was the entire nation mourning? Because Aaron was the epitome of the peace. He was the peacemaker. When Aaron passed away, everybody was affected by it. Sorry, I just have very lightheaded. I need something.
Also, as we just mentioned, it mentions which to us today unfortunately marks the beginning of the nine days. The morning of the seven of the nine days at the end of the last nine days of the three weeks. Nine days leading up to Tisha B'Av, as we said. And therefore, it's brought Dafke in this Pasha. Dafke during this era. Where we need to do a a check on ourselves. We need to do a bedika. Need to be able to reflect who we are, what we're doing, and most importantly, where is our avas Yisrael? Oh no! Where is our avas Yisrael? Video had to freeze. Since, as we said, Aaron is the epitome of Avasisro, the lesson we are being given. This is a, since the Beis Hamikdash, unfortunately, was destroyed because of the sinas chinam, because of the hatred that people displayed to one another for no reason at all. Although, it may have been warranted to hate a person, that particular person. Perhaps that person's heinous behavior, actions, or something they did, merited they be hated. Nobody, except for Bezden, Sanhedrin can carry that badge. The truth is, the person that Rahman al was affected should be able to find, should dig, dig deep down, find it in their heart to forgive. Anyone that knows about it, hears about it, Say to themselves, like Bashemta says, if you hear something, if you see something, you need to ask yourself, what is Hashem sending me?
What's my message? How do I have to learn from it? How do I have to improve my Avaidah Hashem? So instead of acting on it impulsively, instead of hating on it, son, a fellow Jew, one should simply realize and say to themselves, I'm being put to a test. If this was shown to me, and this was exposed to me, and this was revealed to me, why? What did I do to deserve it? Why was I shown that horrible thing? So therefore, we need to know and need to understand that the mention of Aaron Akain, the person that was Eid of Shalom and Eid of Shalom, the person that saw to it there was world peace amongst people that person's yard should be honored as it happens in the nine days the three weeks and should be honored and respected and revered in a way that we understand <coughs> our Avedis Hashem but more so, our Avedis Hashem in Avas Chinam, in love to a fellow Jew for no reason. They don't have to buy you anything, they don't have to give you anything, they don't have to treat you any way good. It's the mere fact that they are fellow Jew, we need to have Avas Israel. Hence, this week's parsha is mentioned, unlike the previous time that talks about Aaron's passing. This week's parsha is mentioned the date which he passes away. The beginning of Pashas Matis starts off, Mesha speaks to the heads of the tribes of Bnei Yisrael. Matis, the word Mate, the tribe, individual tribe is called a Mate. We also find the tribes are called Shvatim, Shifta Yutke. Each tribe is known as a Shevet. Mata and Shevet both mean a wooden branch, a stick, a shtekin. And the use here is a reference to the Yidden. With what? The tribes are all branches of a single tree. But what is the difference between Shevet and Mata? A Shevet is moist, a freshly cut branch. 
or even still attached to the tree, and therefore has flexibility and pliability, etc. On the other hand, mata is used in reference to a branch that has lost its moisture, became hard, became tough. The tree represents a divine source from HaKadosh Baruch which every Jew and the godly Jewish soul extends. Accordingly, Mata and Shevet are teaching us about two different phases of how the Neshama experiences in its relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Shevet refers to the soul whose connection is to its source is fresh, evident. In general sense, before the Neshama came down the Mata, before it came down to a physical body. Mata, on the other hand, alludes to the godly soul. Within a body, its connection to the divine source is just not obvious. You don't see it. It's in the shamatayra, in the body. These two branches also represent different eras which the Jewish nation existed. The fresh branch describes the time of the Beis HaMikdash. The Eden were vibrant. There was something happening. There was a life going on. They saw Gatlachite at all times, godliness. Whereas the dry stick, the dry staff, is how we've been doing, how we've been existing since the destruction of the Besamikdash. And everything that comes after that, the exiles that sapped us dry, But Mata, or Matois, as this Pasha is called, expresses also. The benefit that we get, that we derive from the spiritual dryness, from the harsh and bitter gullus. Because this gullus uncovers the Jewish people's intense resolve to continue and persevere in serving the serving the Abishnah. And these challenges and the adversity we face in Golas show us in the Shama's underlying determination to obey Hashem like a firm staff doesn't break, doesn't bend. We move on to the Parsha.
and we hear something that sounds horrible. Baruch Hashem, we're taught, as I said before, from the Baruch everything we see, everything we hear, is a a lesson to how we have to live our lives and serve God. story is told about Reb Sholem Mishatz. The war broke out in World War II and the Eden started to flee from wherever they were. They looked to find refuge. And they never ran from city to city, town to town, country to country. Similarly, Shalom ended up in a place known as Manchester, England. It was the second worst place in being by the Nazis. It was pretty dull though. It's still dull today. Anyway, he went to Manchester, England. In Manchester, England, unfortunately, is wartime and there wasn't much food there's definitely not much meat chicken etc there was an abundance of potatoes onions that they had so when it came to Shabbos they got a small piece of flesh and they took a bunch a bunch of onions the potatoes and onions and when I lick that top with water it's cooked overnight. They had spice, salt, whatever, pepper, paprika. And it cooked overnight, and this is what they had. They called it chold. Similarly, they took a piece of chicken, a small piece of chicken, filled up a pot of water, boiled that poor piece of chicken to death in that pot of water, and they called it chicken soup. Soul food. Another shortage of the main commodities, unfortunately, was bread. Why? There was only one baker in town. And this baker was a very phenomenal, God-fearing Jew. And as a God-fearing Jew, he got up for Tikkun Chatzais at night, midnight, and prayed Tikkun Chatzais, cried, lamented over the destruction of the temple. And then when it started to dawn, he started to say the whole Tehillim, and then he started to daven until he finished davening, until it was time to, do, to learn something, and he finished learning something, it was time for Mincha. The kids said there wasn't much time to do the baking, as we call it. Ba Yem, and Rosh Hashanah came. Rosh Hashanah is two days. Doesn't matter. It's Shal Chutzlar. Rosh Hashanah is two days. And Rosh Hashanah being two days, 
he um, they had one year that hosted the majority of the people. He had like forty people in his house. And with the forty people in his house. With the 40 people in his house, he had to feed them. As we said before, what feeding consisted of. This seed, though, had another problem. Because Arab Hashanah the baker was so busy with slichas and with this and with that and with davening, there wasn't much time to bake. Since there wasn't much time to bake, there wasn't much challah. So he got up, the host got up, and he told everybody, Yidin, we all know Baruch Hashem, our, our baker is a big Yiddish Shemayim, a big God-fearing person. However, his piety didn't bake by itself. Didn't bake the, the bread. didn't break the bread, it's a problem now because there's not much challah. Tonight we can have a little challah. Tomorrow everybody gets a kezayis. And then for the second day, was uh, uh. that? Shalom couldn't take this. To listen to the Yidden that were thinking they're not going to have Chal like Mishnah for Yamtiv. First night, Rashashadah. Shalom got up at 3 3.30 in the morning to go to the Mikveh. With the determination that he's going to go after the Mikveh to the baker's house. Fortunately for him, the baker was in the mikveh also three o'clock in the morning. And the baker was going to sit down and do his regimen of Tehillim, etc. He tells the baker, Abin, where are you going? Going Pasha's to Shul's Roshana, I'm going to Shul to see Tilum. I want to say the whole Tilum for Davening. He says to him, Rebid, you're going to the bakery. But Rebbe, it's Roshana, I want to Daven. He's very proud of you, you want to Daven. You're going to the bakery. And you're going to bake challah from now till there's enough challah for everybody. But the Rebbe, I want to say the whole Tillim is, I will say the Tillim for you. I will sit down and say the whole Tillim. I will say the whole Tillim in Yoschus. And then. You'll have this for it.
All right. The Rebbe is going to save me. What about davening? What about being with a minion? So he tells him, not a problem. Sorry on the video that we're in the middle of a story here, but I don't know. It just froze and I couldn't get it back on. It's not a problem. I'll daven for you too. But Rebbe, the key is, he says, I'm going to blow the keys in shul. I'll wait for you to come. You bake here until 12 o'clock and I will wait until you come for the key Shafer. This way there will be challah for everyone to eat Lechem Mishnah with no problems. But Rebbe, what about Kevin Echdin? What about all the piyut and all the davenings, all the things that we say during davening? I will have you in, I will daven for you in your stead. You just show up for Tekiyas, that's what you have to be. With a lot of challah. No. The baker turns around and says, I, I guess I win on this deal. I have the Rebbe saying Tillin for me. I have the Rebbe davening for me. I get the bar- better half of the bargain here. Zakhtamir of Shalom, I'm sorry. I hate to burst your, bur- your bubble, as we say. I have the better part of the bargain. The Bashem HaKadosh said, a Yid comes down into this world for 70, 80 years just to do a favor for another. The chesed that I'm going to be doing now, that all these Yid are going to have chala, is greater than the tefillahs you're going to merit from my, my davening. Although my davening is going to be kinebaylam ever. My Tehillim will be like it has to be. But still, I have a bigger merit with the Avas Yisrael that I'm doing. Giving up my own davening and giving it to you selflessly for Avas Yisrael so that the Yidin should have Chalat Yom This was Arna Kayim. It's exactly how Arna Kayim behaved. Selfless, completely selfless. It was all about a fellow Jew. And therefore, when it comes now in Pashas Masay, we talk about the Arna Kayim's passing, and we talk about his Yadzite on Rishchidish Rachmov. It's something that we need to take to heed and to heart and to reflect and to prepare ourselves, Mirz Hashem, for this Shabbos, for a Shabbos Kulei Achtus, a Shabbos of pure devotion, dedication to each other, to a fellow Jew. And we turn around and we see in this week's parasha a very interesting phenomenon. We mentioned all the journeys the Eden are going to take and they're going to go through. And they went through, sorry, with the desert. Forty years now came to a culmination. And we're just about ready for the Eden to go into that Israel. Unfortunately, without 
Moshe Rabbeinu. But rather Yeshua will be at the helm. What happens here? A very strange phenomenon. Came along two Shvatim. Shevet Rubin, Shevet God. Two tribes, Rubin and God. And they tell Moshe, Mikne Rav, we have a lot, a lot of sheep. We're professional shepherds. And since we have so many sheep, we need a lot of land to pasture. Pasture. Here, on this side of the Yardin, is a Meridika place for this, just that. For our sheep. We just conquered all this land. Excuse me. We just conquered all this land. Now, this is very, very beautiful, grassy land. We request that we stay here. That this become our inheritance. We're foregoing going into Ancestral, and we'd like to stay on this side of the Yardin. Moshe did not take well to this. First of all, you have an opportunity to go into that cell and say, Nagdesha, and you're refusing? You have any idea what people are going through today to get an issue to go into that cell? I'd say congratulations, thank you to my daughter and her family, Baruch Hashem. They got on the 12th hour their issue. Literally, and they already gave up about going to Israel. They had to leave tonight. They had given up on going even because they weren't getting the issue. They were told they're not getting it, and suddenly, miraculously, they got an email saying, "We're rewarding you. You're going." Schus. What people go through. To get the Yeshua today, to get the Yisrael. And here the Yidna going in the Yisrael, finally, after the 40 years in the desert, and these people are saying, nah, we'd rather stay here. So first of all, Mesha was not happy with the fact that they weren't making Aliyah like everybody else. No, no, I'm sorry, take that back. They didn't feel for the love of Yisrael like everyone else. More so, though, because they said that this is a land that ultimately will, Mashiach will come, this will become part of Eretz Yisrael. So they had a shtikl taina with that. But more so, Mesha says, Your brothers are going to have to go battle in Eretz Yisrael till they settle, till they win, conquer the land, and you guys are going to be sitting here eating grass with your sheep? What kind of audacity is that? What kind of chutzpah do you have? Just jumping ship.
in the continuation, he compares them to the Miraglim. And he sharply reprimands them. He's calling them sinners. He's calling them the worst and the lowest. Only after B'nai God and Ruvin consented to go into her to sow with everybody else and battle. And they said, we're not going to rest and settle in our land until everyone is settled there. Then Moshe Rabbeinu agrees. What are we deriving from this whole episode? In the beginning, Moshe reprimands so strongly and compares them to Miraglim Rahman al-Islam and only afterwards he fulfills their wishes and says, okay, you can stay. What are we getting, what are we learning, and what lesson are we taking from this? Teich Siddhis explains that generally the Shvat and the Shifta Yudke were chosen to be shepherds. True, devoted, dedicated shepherds. That was their mission. So now, they come to this predicament, they come to this situation, where they want to sit out in the field. Sitting out in the field didn't deter the sitting and learning Teda, doing mitzvahs, devoting themselves to Hashem. He gave them the opportunity to be able to be totally dedicated and devoted. And we see this deep down in the request of God and Ruven to stay on the other side of the earth. And they begged to stay distant from the physical mundane world. So that what? they can involve themselves deeper in the learning of Teda and the service of God. Now needless to say, when Moshe heard this, it sent up a red flag. The Meraglin, the spies, had the same problem. Had the same story. They too were saying they want to stay in the desert, not go into Israel. And this way, they don't have to involve themselves with the mundane world of planting and sowing and mices and trumas and all the other things that have to be done on a physical basis and take away time from the study of Teda and Aveda Hashem. And therefore they were going actually against the Ratzon Hashem. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world just for this. Ami souls should sanctify themselves and lift themselves, elevate themselves. But detaching themselves from worldly things, you can't get to, you can't make such a Megushim Dika thing. 
So why then, after when a God Ruven agreed to go out to battle, he put a stamp of approval on it. He agrees to it. That they don't want to mix with the Yon Elam. They want to just stay here in outside of Eretz Yisrael. Nation of Ain is suspected. That they were grabbing onto the Inyan of Yeshve Oil, but in a different format. People that sit and learn, but want to totally detach themselves from Eretzisel, from their brothers. from the nation. And while they're learning Teda, all these Nyanam, Lemdeya Teda, is in order to be the to be part of the source of the resting and basking in the light and the highest of all the, of all the nation. And therefore Moshe was disappointed in them. But after he saw that they pro- they were properly prepared to be Mesa Nefesh, to go out as the pioneers and to fight forefront for the whole nation, he saw that they wanting to be Yeshveel. They wanted to the, the fact that they wanted to sit and study Tera, this was true. This was real. It wasn't a, a show. They were not trying to cut corners. Therefore, he helped them to be mechazik the kesher between Anshe Meisa, the Elam of the Tera. This is why Moshe gives into them their nachla on Eivah Leyardim. And therefore the Torah says, Vayitim lahem. Moshe of the God of the Nehruvain, the Chatzit Shevet Menashe, he gives to the God of the Nehruvain, and half of Shevet Menashe. And he gives them the land that they requested. <sighs> Which land is that? Mamlechah Sichein Melech HaMedi Vesamlechah Zeg Melech the land that belonged to Sichem el and Egem el Now when they said now, they approached Mesha and requested the pasture on the side, instead of going into Canaan, they said, Mesha, we said, was reluctant. But despite their arrangement with Mesha. The fact that they wanted to dwell outside the official borders of Ezzel 
was frowned upon. It's not right. Therefore the Pasuk says, an inheritance may be acquired hastily in the beginning, but its end will not be blessed. Here on the other hand, the tribe of Menashe received the land which is east of the Yardin, on Moshe's initiative, obviously, and for positive reasons. Moshe's decision to actually allocate this land to the tribe of Menashe, which is beyond the official borders of Etzisel, Perhaps we could say it represents the participation, initiation, the expansion of Etzisrael's borders. When will that happen? As we said, before the Asid Lavi. And the Tera foretells, when it comes to the Gula Asida, Hashem, Harachev Hashem is Gvulcha. Hakarish Baruch will expand your boundaries. What will he give you? What does he refer to? The land of Kaini, Kenizi, Vekadmaini. Akash Baruch promised Avram in addition to the land of Canaan, the lands of Kaini, Kenizi, Vekadmaini. So why did Moshe select the tribe of Menashe for this? This unique honor and privilege. We see from the story of Bnei Slavchot. Hashem cut back on the electric and the air condition just doesn't work. Oi. Story of Bnei Slavchad, the daughters of Slavchad, who were from Shevet Menashe, and they were defied all norms when they approached Mesha. This was not a normal thing for ladies to just go over to Mesha. And they begged for a portion of the land. The tribe Shevet Menashe loved Eretz Yisrael distinctively. And therefore, unlike the tribes of Reuben and God who requested Dafka to get their inheritance immediately, entirely outside of Eretz Yisrael, Menashe receives two portions. One in the land of Eretz Yisrael proper and one beyond its official borders. And this symbolizes not a rejection of the land of Eretz Yisrael, but an expansion of the land of Eretz Yisrael in Gula Mitzvah Vashlema. So, not everything is what the eye sees. Not everything is what the world is, depicts. The famous story of the Chassidim, sorry, the Ish Chassid Hoya. In Matzah Shabbos, people have a tradition to sing different Rav Malkas and the Gunim. One such period is Ish Chassid Hoya. I'm not singing it to you for many reasons. One, in the Babatri, don't sing it, so I obviously don't know how to sing it. I knew I knew how to sing it, I don't know how to sing. The Ish Chosid Hoya was a very, very 
very poor man. But he sat, I'll tell you all of you, sat and learned. Finally, the situation was very dire. He was no longer capable of sitting and learning. He had to support his family. He had to have money. And so Ishkosid Hoya went out and said, You've got to find a business. He has to find a livelihood. He's going to stop learning and he'll go find a livelihood. Elio Anovi came. Excuse me, and asked Ish Chosid. Zogmir, he spoke in Yiddish for sure. Zogmir, what's going on? Where are you going? So he told him his plight, that he's very poor and he needs to... Uh, he needs to get money. Eliyahu Anavi tells him, You belong learning Tata. So he says, But how, how will I support my family? It's very simple. Take me to the marketplace and sell me as a slave. Whatever money you make, you'll have. Kitsa, he sold Eliyahu as a slave for an exorbitant, exorbitant amount of money. Probably not even a good description to say exorbitant amount of money. And he took the money and he sold it to the guy as a slave sold him as a slave and the master said I have a job for you it won't take long I'm sure I want you to build me a palace very, very exorbitant amount of rooms and Kashmir's a palace. Finish building it, and you're free. Okay. And he was misspelled to the Abish said, please, let's take care of his business. Akash Baruch sent down a myriad of malachim, angels. And the angels built the palace overnight. By him in the baker in the morning the guy comes and he looks and he says his palace is standing. He's shocked. Promise a promise. And he had to let him free. So someone came to the Bells at Ebba. And says to him, why didn't Eliyana we just go poof and give him money? What was this whole shtick? Why didn't he make him a miracle to begin with? He just have the money. And he answered, ultimately it was miraculous how he gave him the money. Ultimately, why did he have to make the miracle for himself? 
Why didn't he use that miracle to give the man the money? So he said, the man needed the money, the man needed the money. Feliyonavi, to get a miracle, to have a mephist performed for him, he had to go through Messias Nefesh. Since he was Messias Nefesh himself, ready to be sold as a slave to help and save a fellow Jew, therefore he merited to the miracle that Akash Baruch sent the angels to build that palace. The serious nefesh for a fellow Jew goes far beyond our understanding, our grasp. The serious nefesh for a fellow Jew with true, dedicated, devoted Avis soul is not something that a person's regular mind just sets out to do. And we find ourselves in that very predicament, especially in these days, as we said before, how important it is for us to just rectify just that situation and to see to it that we apply ourselves complete and total Avas Yisrael, Avas Chinam, thereby to merit the ultimate Gul Amitaz and the Pashas come to the end, Vahayu al Eila Alachem, the Chukas Mishpat Derisechem, Mechol Mishvesechem, this should be a statute for you of justice for all your generations in all your dwelling places. Someone killed somebody, Rahman al by accident. They have to go, according to the Bezin, to Arimiklot, one of the six cities of refuge. And there he's safe from anybody, the potential avengers. They want to take revenge for the deceased's blood. One of the cities of refuge. One of the cities of refuge. What? Was a place. One of the cities of refuge. I'm sorry. There's a lot of action here. How do we know these cities of I'm sorry, how do we know these cities of refuge actually guaranteed such a thing? This is why they were established in the land of Etzel. So a person accidentally did this outside of Etzel. Child and sentencing would take place in a local court outside of the land, and his exile, however, would be to a city of refuge within the land of Etzel. There were three given outside by the Chetzshev Menashe and the God in Ruvain. For that very reason, although the Lashevet Levi had to live in these cities, so the question becomes: Meishu was so upset that the Eden were living on that side. Why did he put the Levim over there as well? They were put there for those people outside of Etzel. What is the distinction of the place, to the places where the trial takes place and the exile? The struggle that a person goes through to keep Taylor Mitzvah is much harder outside of Eretz Yisrael. 
In that so, Ravira Dara Machim, Eina Hashem Lekechabam Reish Hashona, Beadach Hashona, the eyes of God is upon it, beginning to the end of the year, throughout the year, and the air makes the person brighter, smarter. So a person who committed a crime outside of Eretz goes before a bezin. They understand what these challenges are by somebody who's outside of Eretz Yisrael. There's the famous story of the Tzadik where the person, the Neshama, asked that he be tried not by the bezin Shamayla, but rather by a bezin here in this world. And if the court finds the person guilty, he goes to land it back in that so What is this supposed to be? It's not a punishment, but this is how a person gets rehabilitated. The complete rehabilitation requires the person who committed the crime not only have charote, what he did, but to be steadfast in his resolve and his achlot to teva to act differently in the future. And the Medrash associates the name Eretz Yisrael, land of Israel, to the Hebrew words rots, running, rotzin, will. Why is it called Eretz? Because it runs to do the will of a Baruch Hu. So for a complete rehabilitation, the person accidentally committed such a grievous crime can't remain outside of Eretz Yisrael, we must relocate to Eretz Yisrael so that the running to do the will of the Master will become second nature. And Chazak, Chazak, Venus Chazak, this week's Pasha is Chazak, as we complete Chumash Bamidbar, Bamidbar Sinai. Bamidbar Sinai being the place where the Torah was given to us, Quickly, on the Hilchas base of Echida, in the beginning of Pedic Membez, where Yechesko tells how the, the, the Malach took him out, ultimately he takes him, as he's measuring one place after the other, he takes him to the Kedesh HaKadosh and the Holy of Holies. When he brings him to the Holy of Holies, he doesn't let him in. He says, stand outside. I will call out to you all the dimensions. Teaching us that even the Cheskel, even in a figurative, in a Nevuah, Chizayin, of the Beis HaMikdash could not go into the Kodesh HaKadoshim. And this, the Holy of Holies for us, is something that we strive to be and to act and to achieve and to ascertain in our own Avedas Hashem. Mishnah of Midas talks about the Mizbeach and its height, tells us that the Mizbeach was made of stones, but the stones were never allowed to have any kind of chip. There was even a fingernail that can get into that chip, the stone was not rendered, was rendered unfit. 
And what had to happen was that stone had to come out and had to be replaced. But the Mizbeach itself stayed intact. The Mizbeach itself stayed kosher. Teaching us that although sometimes there's one faulty Metzius, the Metzius taka goes out, but is replaced, and once it's replaced, then its place is taken again with something kosher, and therefore it's not just it is not any kosher, but rather it's a kosher thing, and it makes the whole thing kosher once again, and stays kosher. It also says later in the Rambam, the Rambam brings down how in the land of Etzitzel is X amount of feet, we say, that HaKadosh Baruch will expand it, and so too, Yaakov Hashem is Gevulcha, HaKadosh Baruch will expand our boundaries into Arzayin HaKadosh, this very Shabbos, and we begin the nine days with Simcha Betuv Leivov, and with the Chazak, Chazak, Venis Chazek, Shabbat Shalom to all.